Masech's Peor Perek Zayin Mishnah Chesm Til Perek Chesm Mishnah Gimel. Already a few times in our Masechta, we've seen the concept that something which belongs to Hekdash, the Beis Hamikdash, is not obligated in the Matno Saniyim, the gifts which go to the poor people. And we're going to see from our Mishnah that the same applies to Eilelois. The Torah says, V'chaim Acholois Eilel. You can't take the underdeveloped clusters for yourself from your vineyard, which implies that it's only forbidden in your own personal vineyard. But in Hekdash's vineyard, Eilelois would not apply. Says the Mishnah, Hamakdish Karmo, one who makes his vineyard hektish. If he makes the entire vineyard hektish before the Oilelois are known, meaning you can't yet tell which ones are underdeveloped and haven't got a lot of grapes attached to them. So at that stage of the field's growth, no Oilelois really exist. If you can't tell which ones are developed enough and which ones aren't, then the poor people do not yet have any entitlement within the field. And therefore, the field or the vineyard becomes totally hectic, and therefore, even once the Oilelois do become recognizable, the vineyard already belongs to the Beis Hamikdash. And therefore, in Oilelois Laniem, the Oilelois would not go to the poor people, because they only became recognizable once the vineyard was already hectic. And it's at the stage that they become recognizable that they generally get transferred to the poor. Although the poor people can only take it once the harvest has been carried out, they already become entitled to it as soon as it's recognizable which clusters are Oilelois. But since he made it hectic before that stage, the entire vineyard is hectic and therefore the Oilelois do not go to the poor people. However, if he only made the vineyard hectic once the Oilelois were recognizable, so he has no right to do that. And therefore, the Oilelois remain with the poor people and at the time of the harvest, the poor people will be able to take the Oilelois. Now the rest of the vineyard is hectic. It's just that the poor people can take the Oilelois because they did not even become hectic since the owner has no right to make somebody else's property hectic. Now Rabbi says that if you think about it, since the time that the owner made the vineyard hectic, the Oilelois have been growing from hectic ground. They've been getting nourishment from hectic property. So it might be true that the poor people have the right to take the Oilelois. However, because the Oilelois gained from hectic, Yitnus Chagedulen La Hektash, the poor people must give the value which the Oilelois increased by since the vineyard was made hectish. So whatever grew since the field was made hectish, that value must be given to hectish. Now the reason why the Tanakama holds that they do not need to give this value to hectish is because according to the Tanakama, even the stalks and the rest of the vine which attaches the Oilelois to the ground, that also doesn't really become fully hectish, at least until the Oilelois are taken. And therefore technically, the Oilelois did not gain nourishment from hectish property. The last two laws of this perek still concern grapevines, however, they're going back to the laws of shikha. And if you recall, the definition which the Mishnah gave, based on the Torah, for shikha, is anything which you go back to get afterwards, you return to what was behind you, that is shikha. Now, the way grapevines were planted very often was that they came out of the ground, and then they were wrapped around posts and wooden frames, a bit like ivy, and often they would be draped over frames such that they would form a roof, a bit like a sukkah, as the sachach in a way, just that it would be attached to the ground, of course. And this arrangement of draping the vines over other things is known as an oris. So the Mishnah asks, shikha be oris? What is considered shikha when it comes to this arrangement of an oris? And the answer is not just simply, as soon as you've passed it, it's now shikha, because the way they would harvest these is that after harvesting and picking the grapes which are easily visible, the farmer knew that many of the grapes would be hidden, because all the branches are very tangled together, and therefore he would shake the branches and move them out, move them about a bit after picking the grapes off the branches. And therefore the harvest is not considered completed until he does that. It's only once he can no longer even reach that branch, 
So he's actually gone a bit of a distance away from the grapes, so they can't even shake the branch now. Only at that point will it become shekha. Any time that he is no longer able to stretch out his hand and to take the branch and shake it about, only at that point is he considered to have properly passed by those grapes and therefore they become shekha. On the other hand, says the Mishnah of Arodlios, when it comes to vines which are planted on the ground, and often they were literally draped on the ground, and people would step over them, but over here they weren't tangled together, and therefore the farmer wouldn't shake away, shake about the branch to check for any hidden grapes. So Mishnah as soon as the farmer has passed by that grape, if he overlooked it, it's already considered shikha as soon as he passes it. Periches Mishnah Aleph, after going to the specific Matnusaniyim throughout the Masechta, Beginning with Peah, then going on to Leket, Shikha, Peret, Eulalois. The final pair of Peah will discuss laws which are much more general and apply to all Matnosaniyim, all of the gifts for the poor. Part of the Perak will discuss a particular gift, but most of the laws of our Perak will apply to all of the Matnosaniyim. Or at least the Gemara will go through each one and not just focus on one specific gift. Now, although by definition Matnosaniyim can only go to poor people, there's a certain stage at which there are so few gifts left in the field for the poor to collect that the poor stop even bothering to go into there to get the gifts. And at that stage, very interestingly, the Matnosaniyim become Hefker. They become ownerless, and now even wealthy people are allowed to come into the field and collect those Matanos, those gifts. And the way this works is via something known as Yush. Yush is when somebody gives up hope and removes from himself the intention to go and collect something, and by doing that, he makes that thing ownerless. So the focus of our Mishnah is to work out at which stage is it safe to assume that all of the poor people have Yush, and thereby render the rest of the produce Hefka. And the Mishnah will go through them one by one. From when is everybody allowed to collect Leket, even the wealthy people? And the same would apply to Peya and Shikha. The Mishnah just mentions Leket, because that was the most common one where some of the stalks were left behind, because it's scattered throughout the whole field, whereas Peya is in one place. Shikha is big bundles, and Leket is much harder to find, and therefore there were usually more left over, but the same question applies to both Shikha and Peya. So the answer is, from when the Moshais have gone through the field. Now what are Namoshes? So the Gemara gives two explanations. One is that it refers to old people. So because old people are very bent over and on walking sticks, so they're constantly looking down to the ground. And once they've gone through the field, people assume that because they're looking at the ground, they'll spot all of the Leket and all of the Matnosaniyim. So once they've gone through the field, people assume that everything has been collected and therefore the poor people give up hope of getting any more. The other explanation of Namoshes is that it refers to the second group of poor people who go through the field. Past that point, the poor people give up hope of getting any more from that field because they assume that pretty much everything has been taken and it's not worth searching just to get a couple of stalks. Next, the Peret of Eulalos. From what point is everybody able to collect the Peret and the Eulalos? Again, Peret being the grapes which fall down, and Eulalos being the underdeveloped grapes. As soon as the poor people, just one group of poor people, have gone into the vineyard and come out, already from then, anybody can go in. And the reason for this is that grapes are very high quality, and they were a very popular fruit which the poor people wanted to get their hands on. And it was sort of understood that if somebody wanted the grapes, then he should go in the first time round. He wouldn't wait for the for after the first lot of poor people have gone through and then go to look in the field. But anyone who wanted the grapes would make sure to be there at the beginning. And therefore, as soon as the first group of poor people have come out of the field, already then the rest of the poor people are not planning on getting the grapes from there, so anybody can. 
with Zaysim, and when it comes to olive trees, over here we can't look at the Namoishais, because if you interpret Namoishais as old people, so old people wouldn't really go to collect the gifts from olive trees, because olive trees were usually harvested around the autumn winter time, so it was very cold, so the elderly people wouldn't get those gifts. And if you interpret it as the second group, there too, because it's so cold, a second group wouldn't really go in, because they know there are only going to be a few olives left, and it's not worth suffering in the cold for that. So if we can't look at the Namoishais, then there must be another time. And indeed, according to the Tanakama, it's once the second rain of the winter has come down. That's around the second half of the month of Cheshvan. Around that time, the poor people relinquish their ownership of the property. They make it Hefka, and therefore the Manisaniyim can be taken by anybody. However, Omar Yehuda, Yehuda said, Surely there are some people who don't harvest their olive trees only after the second rain has already come down. So that can't be the time, because that's before the harvest for some people. So there must be another time, and that time is according to Yehuda, It's at the time that if a poor person would come out of the field having looked for the gifts, and he wouldn't have managed to bring any more than four isar of olives. Four isar is the amount which is enough for four meals, which is usually how much a poor person needs per day. Two for himself and two for his wife. But if there's any less than that in the field, then the poor people wouldn't even bother to go through the field looking for it, and therefore from that point onwards, the olives would become hefker, free for anybody, even wealthy people, to collect. Mishnah base. The halacha is that if somebody buys produce from an Amaha Oret, so is somebody who is not such a learned person, he doesn't know all the laws, so if somebody buys produce from him, he needs to separate all the maestras and the various tithes for the Karnim, the Leviim, and the poor people himself. Because he's got to assume that Amharetz does not know how to, or even that he has to, separate those gifts properly. There are exceptions, there are many laws about this, and in fact the entire next Masechta after Masechah's Peah will discuss this. And that produce which you buy from the Amharetz is called Demai. Now, if somebody buys produce from a poor person, even if the poor person is an Amharet, the buyer will not necessarily have to separate the maestras himself, because it could be that the poor person wasn't even obligated in maestras at all. Because whatever a poor person collects from the Machnois and Niem, as we've learned a number of times already, are exempt from the Trimus and maestras. So if you know as a fact that you are buying Leket, for example, from the poor person, then you won't need to separate the Trimus and maestras, which means that the issue involved when buying produce from a poor person, is not whether he took Trimus and Maestras, rather it's whether that produce is even obligated in Trimus and Maestras. So the Mishnah tells us, We believe a poor person who says that the produce which he is selling the other person is Leket Shikha Peya. So we believe him, and therefore we do not need to separate, the buyer would not need to separate the Trimus and Maestras from that. However, this is only Bishaton at their normal time, which is around the harvest. Only around that time where the poor people have just received all their gifts, would we believe him to say that the thing that he is selling is something he received as Matnus Aniyim. But if it's not around the harvesting time, then we would not believe him. Yerushalmi adds that we also only believe him if he says that he got this produce from somebody's field who lives nearby him. But if he claims to have got this leket, for example, from a field very far away from him, then we don't believe him because we assume that he wouldn't travel so far just to get the leket. Alright, Val Master Oni, and if the poor person claims that what he is selling you is Master Oni, which is the tenth of one's produce which he has to give to the poor people, Bechol Shnosoi, he's believed in its entire year, meaning the obligation of Master Oni is in the third and the sixth year of the seven-year Shemitah cycle. So twice in seven years, the farmer is obligated to give Master Oni to the poor people. 
So at any point during that year, a poor person would be believed if he claims that that which he is selling you is Master Oni. And the reason why he's believed the entire year for so long is because Master Oni is a much larger gift than Leket Chikran Peya. Master Oni is an entire tenth. It's 10% of the field. Leket is just a few stalks. Peya is a 60th. That's less than 2%. Whereas Master Oni is such a large gift of 10%, and therefore it makes sense that the poor person would have Master Oni throughout that entire year, and so he is believed. Now a tenth of one's produce needs to go to a levy, and that is known as Maserishan. And once the levy receives that, he has to take a tenth of that and give it to the Kohen. And that is known as Trumas Maser. And the punishment for a non-Kohen who eats Trumas Maser is actually death by the hands of Hashem. So it's very serious, and therefore, nobody was suspected of not separating Trumas Maser. So Uven Levi, if somebody buys Maserishan produce from a Levi, Nemon La'olam, he is always believed, if he claims that he gave the Trumas Maser to the Kohen, because he's not suspected of violating such a severe law. And now this Mishnah ends off with a sort of rule which will take us through the next few Mishnayas, and that is, The poor people, who are Ami Haaretz, even in the situations where we said they are believed, they're only believed if they're talking about food which people would generally give as Maserani, or Leket, or Shikha, etc. But if the food they are selling is something which is very unlikely to be given as a gift to the poor, then they are not believed if they claim that it was one of the Matnus Aniem, and if they are not believed, that means that the buyer needs to separate the Shumas and Maestros himself. Mishnah Gimel, Poor people are believed about kernels of wheat. So if they sell you kernels of wheat and they claim that it came from the Matnus Aniem, then they are believed, and the buyer does not need to separate Shumas and Maestros. However, they are not believed if they're selling you flour, or bread. If they claim that the farmer gave them flour from the wheat, or that he gave it to them as bread, he's not believed because it's very uncommon for the farmer to go through all of that effort to process the wheat and then give it to the poor person. The truth is, if the poor person claims that he received wheat and he made it into flour or he made it into bread, then he would be believed. He's just not believed to say that that thing came directly from the farmer. Next, the poor people are believed about a grain of rice which is still covered up. That's what the rice is like right after the harvest. So that's how it was normally given to the poor person, with the grain of rice slightly covered as it was as it had grown. The Enem on love, but we do not believe the poor person, and we've got to sort of insert some words into here, if the rice was peeled, and now you've got the actual grain of rice there, no longer covered, whether the rice is still raw, or whether it's been cooked, either way, that's not the way that it was normally given to the poor person. So if he claims that that's how he got it from the farmer, he is not believed, and the buyer does need to separate Trumas and Maestros. Similarly, Nemon Alach Pol. The poor person is believed about beans if they are whole, because that's how they were given to the poor person. But they are not believed about crushed beans, whether they are raw or cooked. Either way, they were not given crushed to the poor person. And the Mishnah ends off by telling us that the poor person is believed about oil, because it was actually common for the farmer to only give the gifts of oil of the olives once they've been pressed and made into oil. To say that it's from Maisa'oni. So if the poor person sells you oil and claims that he got the oil directly from the owner as Master Oni, he is believed because that was common. And the same would apply if he claims that he got olives and he made them into oil himself, because that's also common. However, the Enemon love, we do not believe the poor person about the oil, Loma Shalzesinikofu. If he claims they came from the beaten olives, and this refers to the olives which were left in the tree and were shikha, and the way that the poor people would get them down is by beating them so they would come to the ground. 
And the reason why we don't believe the poor person in this case is because there was usually not very many olives there, which were left as shikha. And therefore the poor person would be very unlikely to make that into oil. He would eat the olives directly, but he wouldn't make that into oil because there's so little oil available there. So in that case, we would not believe him. And if somebody brought that oil from him, he would need to separate the trims and maestras, which are necessary.